Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Who's been pulling every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. Ooh, she's so insidious. She's so perfidious. And the pity is, it's been Agatha all along. Today we're talking about WandaVision. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Have you ever had a moment in your life where the truth hurt? There was something that you couldn't escape because it was true. It was a reality in your life. You wanted to change it. You, if you could, you would change it, but you couldn't. And it hurt deep to the core. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about grief. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's newest show on Disney Plus, kind of, kind of a, a brand new show in their new, new era, WandaVision. It's been really fascinating to hear what people have to, to talk about with this show. Uh, my name is Mike Tenney. I am a Catholic speaker and worship leader out of Washington, D.C. I spent 14 years as a Catholic high school theology teacher and also trying to make it as a rock star on the weekend with my, with my own band. And I love having conversations with people about music and movies and just deep conversations and, and what's going on in the human heart. And I'm very happy today uh, to be joined by Josh Noam from the Grotto Network out of Notre Dame. And uh, Grotto Network is a, a digital media evangelization uh, platform run by the University of Notre Dame. He's their senior editor and also a novelist. So welcome, Josh. Glad to have you hey. here. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure. It's great. So, so before we get in too much to the topic, I want to tell you a little bit about Awaken Catholic. So awakencatholic.org is where you can find out everything about us. And you can support this show and everything that happens and also like feed our children and that sort of thing by going to awakencatholic.org slash donate and joining the Awaken Nation by making a monthly donation. And like I said, that makes everything here happen. You also get access to exclusive content, um, talks from me and other show hosts, um, you know, music and, and just there's lots of cool exclusive stuff on there that you only get by being uh, part of the Awakened Nation. Also, um, it's just you get to be part of our team and help us help us do stuff. So you can also uh, go deeper into the Awakened Catholic community by getting the Awakened Catholic app through the App Store, either Google Play or Apple. And uh, you can also get it on a desktop or just by going to the web address, theawakenapp.io. And it's a great Catholic community of like-minded people you can talk with the show host, give us ideas for shows, just chat with us, continue the conversation uh, that's going on. And also there's some exclusive content there as well. And it's just a place where we, we really try to just leave behind the toxicity that's prevalent in so much of uh, social media, unfortunately, even, even in Catholic spaces on social media. So it, it's a, a growing community and a great community. I really encourage you to download the Awaken app. Last thing I'll talk about is the Hallow app. If you are someone who, like me, sometimes struggles to fit daily prayer into their life, then the Hallow app is a game changer. It has all sorts of different types of prayers for different types of spiritualities. It has the rosary. My wife loves to use that. It has a daily examine, which I love to use. It has the, the Bible in a Year podcast with Mike Schmitz, which is one of the, the biggest podcasts in the nation right now. Um, it has the, the guy who plays Jesus in the Chosen miniseries, and you can like have him um, like give a reflection as you go to sleep. So there's all sorts of cool stuff on the Hallow app. And you can get a month of the premium version 
uh, by going to hallow.app slash awaken. And that also helps us out here if you sign up for the, the free month uh, trial through our link, hallow.app slash awaken. So that's how you can help us out here. Also, um, just by liking, subscribing, sharing, sending this to somebody who you know is, is a nerd about the MCU and enjoyed WandaVision or anyone who would appreciate this conversation that we're going to have and any ratings you can give us on, on iTunes or Apple or wh- wherever you get your um, podcasts. All of that helps us out. So welcome, Josh. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm excited about this conversation too. Now you and I know each other because you're, you're my editor. I write for <laughs> articles for Grotto. And so for a couple of years now, we've, you know, had a relationship just via email. Um, and like, I get your comments and, and, uh, but then you wrote an article about WandaVision a couple months back when it was first starting. And yeah. I said, Ooh, he's got a really good perspective on this. I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about this on the show. And I think I emailed you like right then you were like, yeah, yeah. we didn't even know what the show was going to be at that point. Cause we were like three episodes in. Um, but I was reading that article again last night. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but it was just, it was interesting how, like how well, what you said in that article held up like through the end of yeah, the show. Right. So um, I was a little nervous to be honest, watching the show unfold. I'm like, I hope this is right on track. <laughs> tell us, um, uh, tell us about you, Josh. Yeah, so um, I'm senior editor at Grotto Network. I've been there for a couple of years. Grotto Network is a new media platform. Um, our intention is to walk with young adults as they as they navigate life and make an impact and keep the faith. So we're telling stories, video stories, written stories, strong presence on social media. Um, we're a Catholic media company. We're really trying to walk with people in all aspects of their lives, though. So it's really gratifying work for me as an editor. It feels like you know what happens inside the church is really important inside. You know, when we're mm-hmm. when we're at mass and in, you know the world of theology, all that's really important. Yeah. But it also kind of like our work at Grotto gives me the chance to kind of walk outside the doors of the church and walk with people out in the neighborhood too. So yeah. uh, I feel really privileged to be able to do kind of both both sides. Yeah, and you have a theology degree, right? You have an MDiv, right? Master's yeah, that's right. Divinity. That's awesome. So, yep. so you're smarter than me. <laughs> that's uh, I have a the- I have a I have a lonely master's of theological studies. So. <laughs> Um, so, and you just wrote a novel last year, right? You did. Yeah. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. It's called the end of ending. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, this is a Catholic show, so I can, uh, I can kind of like pull back the curtain a little bit. Mm -hmm. I can't do this with all my audiences, but well, studying theology, it always kind of like tickled my imagination that people have always thought or given different perspectives on what the incarnation looks like and the birth Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And there's a lot of stories and traditions around that. And because the resurrection of the dead is something that's a little more, you know, it's a little more nebulous. We're not sure. It's a little more speculative. Yeah. We're not sure where that, what that's going to look like. It always kind of like, it always tickled my imagination to think about what would that look like? Yeah. And so for, I mean, probably for the better part of a decade, I was just kind of like rambling around some thoughts in my head about what would, what would the resurrection of the dead look like in Northern Indiana? And so I created a world and they tell you to write what you know. So it involves a lot of baseball, a lot of beer, Fantastic. And um, yeah, it's been great. It's been out for a year. So thanks. That's great. That's great. The end of endings. Yeah. The end of ending. Yeah. The end of ending. Cool. So I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Sounds, sounds fascinating. Sounds fascinating. Awesome. Very cool. So WandaVision, if you don't know what it is, let's pull up a a picture uh, that we got there of the, the poster. Um, Oh, I went too far. We'll go back. There we go. So WandaVision was on Disney plus. So the, the MCU 
I assume everyone knows what that is because like the biggest thing in, in the world for the past 10 years. So 22 movies and a bunch of TV shows on Netflix. They had Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and, and the, the, the Defenders. There was four or five TV shows that they had on Netflix that, that wove into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then after Endgame, we're kind of entering the next phase, the next era and there's going to be new movies coming out. And this is the beginning of the new TV era. So they have WandaVision and they just started uh, at the time of this taping. They started uh, Falcon in the Winter Soldier. They're going to have a bunch of new TV shows. And, and this is the beginning. And it's, it's very, it's very different. Um, let's, let's just talk a little bit about the craft of what they're doing. Then we'll get into some of the characters and the themes. Um, so what do you love about just the way that this show is done artistically? As someone who works in media, what do you appreciate about the way yeah. the show is done? Man, I mean, they really took a completely different approach to storytelling with this, which is just so fascinating. I love the fact that it begins with kind of, you just kind of like thrown into this odd world, this mm -hmm. odd universe. It's so countered from what you would expect from MCU. Yeah. Um, and so I love the fact that they're not like spoon feeding you every plot detail. They're kind of like letting this unfold over, over several episodes. Um, so I love that they trust the audience to yeah. kind of like stick with a little bit. Um, yeah. First after, after 22 movies, we know you're going to yeah. watch this so we can, we can right, tease right, it out yeah. a few episodes. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those first episodes with when they're in the fifties and sixties and you're just like, you can tell that there's something just a little bit off, yeah. you know, it's totally recognizable, but then there's, there's kind of like this little, there's this kind of unease mm -hmm. and you know, that's leading somewhere. So the craft, the craft wise, like just as a pure storyteller from mm -hmm. my perspective, um, I love the idea that they kind of had this idea for a story that would unfold yeah. over a number of episodes. It wouldn't become clear until several episodes in. Yeah. Um, and I don't know much about, you probably know more about video editing than I do. I've got people on my team who are, who are video editors. They're just super impressed with how that part comes together. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, like all the, just the black and white, the colorization, mm -hmm. all the details really fit the era. Yeah, even um, the aspect ratio ratio of the show, yeah. like it changes, like it, it it goes out wide, it comes in close. It's it's really yeah. really interesting the way yeah. it really does look like something out of the '90s or the '80s or the '70s. Right. Yeah. Right. Even the, th yeah. the theme the theme song's different. They had to write like eight theme songs for the show. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's fascinating. They've got a great um, a great kind of behind the scenes episode at the end of the show. Yeah. That kind of talks. They talk to the music writers and they. They've got a consistent kind of like sequence of notes, of the a theme that kind oh, of cool. permeates all of the different uh, uh, theme songs, which uh -huh. is great to see a kind of continuity there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so interesting. You know that in the name of the first episode, I think it's filmed before a live TV, TV audience, mm -hmm. live studio audience, yeah. live studio audience. You know, they went back and talked to people from the Dick Van Dyke show uh -huh. about how they put together an episode back in the day. Huh. Um, and they brought people in. And these people were all kind of like dressed up for a night out. and. Uh -huh. Um, they had like, it was, a, it was a full studio, studio show. So, wow. you know, imagine filming before that they had to like run straight through the story, like mm -hmm. in one, in one take, you know? So, so fascinating That's amazing. to get that kind of look and feel of what it, what it was like. Yeah. It's almost like a history of TV kind of. So totally. yeah, yeah. It's, it's really neat, really neat the way they did it. Um, yeah, it, it really is a, um, just in a very imaginative way to, to tell a story and uh, I love that they didn't release it all at once. So you couldn't binge it. It was kind of stretched out over the course of, of two months. And like me and my, my friends on social media that are watching it, like a, an episode would come out and be like, all right, well, let's talk. What are our theories for this week? And it was, it was, it was really kind of interesting. It was a good way. Uh, you know, a lot, we're still kind of distanced a lot because of, of coronavirus. And so it's, 
it's kind of cool to be able to dig into something like this with my friends and be able to talk about this and have a reason to get together, to have a zoom meeting, to, um, yeah. you know, and throw, throw theories around, send each other memes on our phone. <laughs> that sort yeah. of thing. So it was, it was really a, a, a lot of fun. You know, um, that in and of itself is a lot like the way TV used to be too. You know, you used to yeah. have to, to watch a show. You had to be at a certain place at a certain time and sit yeah. down and watch. Amazing. And then you got yeah. to talk about it with friends, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think that whole approach in terms of like nostalgia, that's mm-hmm. such an interesting device to use when you're talking about an, a, a, a show that's ultimately about grief. That's an interesting yeah. device to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's get into the the themes of it. Um, so we have Wanda, Vision, Monica, uh, Agnes slash Agatha, by the way, major spoilers. I kind of spoiled everything in that first little intro there. <laughs> so Sorry. I'm terrible about spoiler warnings, but um, so let's, let's talk into this. So, Grief is a huge theme throughout the this show. So who are the there's seven there's several different people grieving. So who's who's grieving in the show? What are the, the griefs that are going on? Let's talk about that first. Yeah, man, and there, even to talk about Wanda's grief, mm-hmm. right? That's the most obvious one is Wanda's yeah. grief mm-hmm. uh, for Vision. But you realize as the as the story goes on that she's got this kind of compounding grief yeah. from her childhood and losing her family, and it all kind of like ties together. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's that in and of itself is a huge knot to kind of untie. Mm-hmm. Um, she lost her parents. You got Monica's grief too, right? She yeah, kind of yeah. Lost. Yeah. So let's 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 talk about right. Wanda a little bit more before. But um, I think it's an interesting uh, like comparison between how Wanda handles it and Monica handles it. So let, let's talk about right. Wanda. So Wanda lost her parents first at a young age, and the way she responds to that is like by joining a terrorist organization. Yeah. And like, and I think that's a very um, common response is like when we feel, when we experience this trauma, we experience this grief, it's a real injustice, right? Like that. And I think there's something in the human soul that recognizes this is not how it's supposed to be. Like there's something wrong here. There's an injustice. I have been wronged in some way. And I, I think that's, that's our soul, like recognizing the, the damage of sin is recognizing that, that this world, there's something wrong here that is not right. There's a lack of justice in this world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very common reaction. I've, I've reacted this way to respond with anger, to want uh, to, to blame somebody. Right. And a, a lot of people are, are, are angry at God. Like, God, how, how could you even, how could you love me and let this happen to me? How could you even exist and let this happen? Like, I think there's a lot of people who react the same way Wanda did with, with anger. They want to lash out. They want to, they want to, make it right in some, some big epic sort of way. Um, so I, I totally relate to Wanda. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the grief she's dealing and, well, and then later in age of Ultron, she's dealing with her brother's grief. Yeah. Which brother. comes up in an interesting way in this show too, right? Yeah. He kind of reappears and that, and it just his very appearance kind of like pricks that wound for her in mm-hmm. a new way. Yeah. yeah, that that blew my mind. Like when there are very few times, like very few times when I'm watching something and I'm just like, you know, my mouth just drops. And when Pietro shows up, but it's not the Pietro from the MCU, it's the Pietro from the X-Men movies. I'm a huge X-Men. Like I grew up playing X-Men. I like X-Men trading cards. Like I dressed up as Wolverine for like more than one Halloween. Um <laughs> I've like styled my hair and the whole thing. Like I have a leather jacket just so I, like I bought like a nice leather jacket just so I could like be Halloween, be Wolverine for Halloween. So like, I love those movies. And when the Pietro from the X-Men universe showed up, I, 
it was, I was like staying up late folding laundry while everyone in my house was asleep. It's like 2 a.m. I'm watching this show and I'm like looking around. I was like, I need to process this with somebody that this just happened. Uh, so there's that grief of losing her brother. Um, and then of course, vision, her, 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 her lover, her spouse, um, yeah. which I think is the one she's dealing with most here. Like she can't even yeah. bury him. Right. She right. wants to bury him and she can't even bury him. Yeah. So, Gosh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point right there, Mike. Just, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that before, but just the, this is something we're experiencing right now with, with COVID is the lack of ritual oh my around endings, yeah. right? Like um, just how important that ritual is for um, normalizing, for coming to terms with, for grieving, for kind of coming together as a community to mm-hmm. acknowledge someone's loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought about that before, but that's a really interesting thing to think about that she was missing that element when he, when, when he died. Um, she comes back and he's gone and she's just faced with this absence. There's no way to like deal with it or like to process it with, with other people. Yeah. And those, those rituals are important. I think that, that that's something in the wisdom of, of the church is that the church is sacramental. You know, that it recognizes that we're not just a soul, we're a body and our, 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 our emotions and our passions, like they are part of what's going on. And we need, we need good rituals to help us process that within the context of a loving community and I absolutely feel what you're saying. So uh, one of the the priests from Campus Ministry at Catholic U, which is where I went to to college, who is very very instrumental in my life, Father Brad Heckethorn. Um, he's a conventual Franciscan, and I, I went on mission trips to him with him uh, to third world countries, and just like one of one of the major faith influences um, in my life. Like on my 21st birthday, he like bought me a beer. Like that level of like I had a real friendship. One of the, one of the first priests I ever knew as like a friend. Um, and he and I reconnected over COVID. Um, he, he like texted me on Easter just saying, Hey, I'm thinking of you. And we ended up like talking for the first time in like five years or, or more. Um, and then like a few weeks later he passed away and I was like, so grateful. I was like, I don't know what the Holy spirit was doing, but somehow the Holy spirit like put us in touch so I could like have one more conversation with him. And I'm so grateful for that. But then his, his funeral, like all the, all my friends from college, like most, most of us couldn't go because you know, this was like. May of 2020, you know, everything was still shut down. Not, we're not going to be traveling, going on planes. And so we're all, we're all watching on like Facebook live, this, this, um, funeral of this man who had a huge impact on our faith and our development. And it it was hard to process. It really was. And we all, we had this, this big zoom meeting, like 20 of us of our our friends from college just to like get together and, 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 and talk about it. And I think you're absolutely right. Like we need those, those rituals. And that's, um, I mean, for me, that's, that's one of the values of church is like, it gives you one of those places where you can have a community that, that helps you through those milestone moments, those, those, those liminal transitional moments of life where somebody's born, somebody dies, somebody's going on to a new stage of life. Um, like a, a faith, when a faith community is doing that well, it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and I know not everybody, that's not everybody's experience of church. I know lots of people have had experiences of church that are not that. Um, but when you have that, like that, that has such power when, when, when church is doing church really well, it's really beautiful. Um, no doubt. That's, I think about my own, own loss of grandparents, for example, and, you know, gathering with family. Um, those are, those are among the most meaningful moments in my life to gather with family because it's so identity affirming and faith affirming um of course it's sad and of course you're grieving but you're gathered with with people to to remember um these these figures who have shaped us so deeply and in the context of faith 
to be able to entrust them to the Lord and understand that there's there's a time in which we will this love will be re- reunited sometime, yeah. right? Uh-huh. We'll, we'll be brought back together. So much hope and depth of faith there. Um, it's just like a moment. Feels like to me a moment when like all the extras kind of like peeled back and you really touch the bedrock of your faith and what, mm-hmm. what it's really, really about. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, St. Paul in first Thessalonians. He's, you know, he's writing to a community that's persecuted and people are being killed. And he says, um, yet mourn, but do not mourn as those who have no hope. Like there's, a, there's a difference. There should be a difference for how the Christian mourns. Like, yes, mourn. Yes. Feel sad. Dig into that. Like be mad, be angry, but, not as those who have no hope. Like at the end of it, we come back to God and we give him all our anger and all our grief because he can take it. And we trust that death does not win, right? There's a victory over death that Jesus won on the cross and he conquered death. He faced all the worst that death had to throw at him and he conquered it. Um, and so I see um, as awful as, as death is and people that have died in my life, as, as hard as that is, there's a great consolation of faith. And I see, um, at least from what we see in the show, like Wanda, Wanda doesn't have that. Vision's just gone. Yeah. Right, her parents are just yeah. gone. Pietro's just gone, and so she reacts in anger, as she reacts with kind of denial, making this this imaginary world, um, re- retreating from it, running away from it. Um, you know, and I think that's all understandable. I think many of us do that, but um, because she doesn't have maybe that community to help her, maybe mm-hmm. she doesn't have that 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 faith understanding of 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 eternal things she responds in these understandable, but ultimately unhealthy, even destructive to herself and other people, ways that are, are very destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what happens with, they have the dog, like she and the kids have the dog and then the dog dies. And there's that little dialogue where the kids are like, oh, bring it back, mom, bring the dog back. Um, and she says, uh, it, I forget exactly what she says, but it's something like, um, is like you can't you can't bring people back from the dead or whatever, and it's kind of like this moment where she realizes, um, yeah, I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> yeah, and Agnes is like, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting to look back at Agnes now and kind of like see her kind of like reading between the lines the whole time. She's mm-hmm. just kind of absurd, right? Yeah, yeah. and that uh, I know this isn't really thematic, but that actress I forget her name, but she is brilliant. Like in that role, she just like nailed it. She's like such a delight to watch the, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lo- before we get into to Monica as kind of like the foil to, to Wanda's grieving, I want to talk about, there's this moment and I think it's like a flashback between Wanda and vision and visions talking about grief. Do you remember this? Um, where Monica's or Wanda's talking about losing Pietro and vision says something about like, um, I haven't, you know, I haven't known what you're talking about, Yeah, but, um, I think I wrote it down. Oh, he says it can't be all bad because all I've known is being alone. I've never known loss, but what is grief, but love persevering. Yeah. What is the line? Oh man. Yeah. Do you, do you have thoughts about that? That, that line, what is, what is, uh, say it again. What is grief? What, what is, what is grief, but love persevering? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it touches on the the point that you had earlier, where the kind of disconnect that we feel when we lose somebody mm-hmm. is a reflection of the fact that we're made for more. Mm-hmm. Like we're made for we're made like the the connections and insights that we are the relationships that we build have this trajectory and this 
this um, this horizon that's on the eternal. Yeah. And when we lose it, we feel that, that disconnect, right? Yes. yes. So it's just that persevering love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of, um, I love the way you described that. And it, as you were speaking, it reminded me of, of Jesus in the Beatitudes when he's saying, uh, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Like there is... Like, yes, I'm sad that my friend, Father Brad, passed away. Yes, I'm sad that my grandfather passed away. But I'm also grateful that I had this awesome person in my life. And I don't want to forget them, right? I'm, gl- I'm glad for their presence in my life. I'm glad for, I'm grateful for every moment I got f- with, with them. Um, and I'm grateful that we'll, we'll get eternity together one day. And again, yeah. that's, that's, that's the consolation of faith. But that idea of love persevering, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think that's a beautiful way of describing it. It's funny when that line appeared in the show, it felt like all the chatter on social media was like, like everybody was like, oh, that's it. Like mm-hmm. that's the line. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the tagline of the show right there. Yeah. So, and the writer, like as a writer, I think about how they distilled the the story down to that one phrase. Mm-hmm. It's so brilliant. Yeah. It's great. Well, and from a Christian perspective, what is love persevering? What is eternal love? Like that, that's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus yeah. came and said, you know, it is at hand. Like I came to bring eternal love. Like not the, he speaks to the woman at the well. He's like, you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. It's like, I come to bring water that is, that you'll never be thirsty again. Like I, I came to show you a new way to live a heavenly life here mm-hmm. and now, you know, the will of God done he, here and now, not just someday in the future, but, but right now we can start living um, this, this kingdom of God. And I can show you a new way to be community, to be, um, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. Um, yeah, I, I can show you a new way of, of being God's people, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I love that line. Love that line. Um, are, are we ready to move on to Monica? Sure. All right. Let's talk about Monica Rambo. It's not the first time we've seen her. We saw her as a little girl in, um, Captain Marvel. Yeah. yeah. And the, I don't know if they plan this out or whatever, but like the girl in Captain Marvel and then the actress here that plays Monica, like, they look so much alike, at least, at least to me, but there's definitely a resemblance there. I think it's yeah. great, great casting. Um, yeah. So Monica is also grieving um, her mother who I, I, for, I forget exactly. There's this scene at the, like the beginning episode three or four where apparently Monica had been blipped by Thanos. Right. Right. And then she comes back and she's expecting to find her mom dying of cancer in the hospital. Yep. But it's five years later and her mom has already right. died. So even not even worrying about the fact that she's been gone for five years, but now her mom's gone and now she's dealing with that all of a sudden. Um, So how do you see Monica dealing with, with grief as opposed to, to Wanda? What's the the difference there? That's really interesting because they're both really faced with a very similar situation. It's like this kind of sudden disappearance, right? The sudden, the sudden loss. Um, There's something about Monica um, where she's pursuing the real or, or she's, she's not, she's not willing to let go of reality in a sense, right? She's pursuing what's true. And I think in terms of the story, it takes the shape of, of this kind of mystery of Westville and the, and the hex yeah. where she's diving in and she's trying to get to the bottom of it. Right. Um, but I think there's something in there about a connection to reality that, that Wanda is missing that Wanda yeah. was really entirely willing to just kind of like let go and, and make something of her own out of this situation. And Monica's diving deeper into the world. I think there's something, something helpful for us there in terms of the way we might process loss and finding, you know, finding God in the world. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's also interesting. Um, and this gets into another thing I wanted to talk about. There's uh, another thing that was woven throughout is this idea of truth and facing your truth and dealing with the truth. Um, there's several lines that, that come up. Um, uh, I, I, wrote, I wrote down a few lines. So uh, one of the commercials are really interesting that they have yeah, throughout right. the show. And they're all like little, little things from, from Wanda's past. But one of the things, one, one of the side effects of like the pill that's being advertised, it, it, one of the side effects is like, you know, having to face your truth and having to face like, you know, what's happened that you, that you don't like confronting your truth. It says, um, Agnes says at one point to Wanda at the end, when she's revealed that she's, she's been manipulating her. She says, I tried to be gentle to nudge you awake from this ridiculous fantasy, but you would rather fall apart than face your truth. You left me no choice. There's another part where Monica says, I can't control this pain anymore. And I don't think I want to because it's my truth. Like, I don't want to, like, it's, it's true. I can't run away from the truth. I have to, I have to face it. Um, I have to kind of, in some ways, embrace this pain. Um, And I I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a wisdom in that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not ganging up on, on, on Wanda, you know, like she had a super traumatic life from the time she was a young kid. And it's very clear that she's not totally in control of what's happening. You know, she has these moments where she lashes out. She has these moments where, um, where, where she's, she's kind of being evil, but it's also very clear. Like she doesn't really have a clue what, what she's doing or why, or even if she can control it. Um, which I think a lot of people going through grief can, can definitely uh, relate to. Um, but but I wonder if Mon- there's a there's a lesson in that from Monica about how to when you're faced with this grief unexpectedly or not um, how to how to kind of embrace it and dig into yeah. to reality. Um, yeah, I had a I had a professor once talk about um, and he he was a big proponent of narrative theology in the sense that you know the story is the primary way in which meaning unfolds in our lives. Okay, yeah. Talked about grief. The work of grief is the task of um, telling your story without a key character. So you've been mm-hmm. you've been living with this this important character in your life, the people yeah. you love, and when one of them dies, the work of grief is figuring out how your story is going to go on wow. without this key character, um, which I find so helpful in thinking about like what the work of grief is because much of that work happens through storytelling. You, yeah. you tell stories about the person that you lost. So you yes. come to understand the role that they played in your life mm-hmm. um, and what that gap looks like. And I think Monica does that work differently than, than Wanda does, mm-hmm. right? Monica has this kind of like legacy of her mom all mm-hmm. around her. She's kind of like working with that all the time and figuring out her role in the world. Like she's mm-hmm. got that, that task and Wanda is so disconnected from from the things that caused her trauma that she's like refusing to do that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I think you're right. Absolutely. There's a, I love, I love that idea of like, you have to, um, my, my brain was spinning when you said that the idea that we have to figure out how your story goes on without a key character. I'm, I'm rereading Lord of the Rings right now. And I just got to the, yeah. the part spoilers uh, where they go through the minds of Moria and then the fellowship has to figure out how to go on without Gandalf. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So I, I absolutely relate to that. And, Wanda doesn't want to talk about it. Like her kids ask her about the uncle, uncle Pietro or Wanda or vision asks about Pietro. Like she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to tell that story. Whereas yeah. Monica doesn't have that. Monica will, Monica will talk about her mom and her mom's yeah. legacy and um, yeah. how she's, how she's trying to, to grow into that. And I think there's something about embracing 
the pain and basic embracing the truth. And it reminds me of Jesus saying like, if you would follow after me, you have to embrace your cross and, and, yeah, and, and follow after me. Um, yeah. and I think, I think Christianity gets a bad rap sometimes. It's like, Oh, you Christians, you like to like whip yourselves and, and dwell in your suffering. And, and that's not it. We don't see suffering as a good, but we see suffering as something that must be faced. It's a reality that Jesus conquered. And so we don't need to be scared of it. It's going to be hard, but we, we, Jesus meets us there right? That's where the Lord meets us is in right. our grief and in our pain. Uh, yeah. So it's going to hurt, but we don't need to be scared of it. Um, yeah. even if it's scary. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that the, uh, when you encounter suffering, loss, pain, um, there's a way through it, right? Yes. And it, it's the cross, but it's that the cross is the way through. Yes. Um, there's no other way through. You can't go around it in any other way. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, one more thing about the the whole my truth your truth uh you know the the truth and the like the the um just that theme is when vision has to fake has to fight fake vision like there's the two visions yeah. there's the vision that Wanda created in her world and then there's like the reconstructed vision who doesn't have his memories or personalities um the way that fight gets resolved is through truth right like they're fighting and phasing and punching and throwing and flying around and what ends the fight is like a philosophical quandary. Like yeah. it's the, it's the truth. And Darcy even says at one point, like what happens when vision finds out the truth? And it's like, the truth is the key to ending the fight. The truth is the, right. the key to ending that struggle. Yeah. Uh, and I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with vision from here on out. Cause like, who is the real vision is the, the body, the real vision is the, the memories that are in Wanda. Is that the real vi vision? Like, what is it? But um, it, it was interesting to me that there's this whole theme about facing your truth, accepting truth, and then vision, like his, his key moment of his identity comes down to wrestling with the truth. Um, and it, it doesn't turn in, yeah. it, it, it ends the fist fight. So I just, I think there's something profound in that. I might have to think about yeah. it a little more, but yeah. Um, I also want to talk about um, tr the trauma that Wanda inflicts by her control of other people. Yeah. Right. Cause she's oh, like, man. she's like mind controlling the town. Yeah. Kind of on purpose, kind of not on purpose. And it's chilling to me. Those moments when sometimes vision is able to break someone out of it or some, every once in a while, people have these glimpses of clarity where they're outside of it. And the people just seem so traumatized. That was like one of the most haunting things of the whole show to me was the, the way people, under her control, it just seemed like a hell, like a torture. I was wondering, did you yeah. have any, did you have any thoughts on that or reflections on that? Well, it's interesting to think about. Um, I think it's probably overstated, mm -hmm. but you know, when we're dealing with trauma, with grief, if we're not willing to embrace reality and and welcome other people into that process, into that journey, then I think we subject people to you know an, an unhealthy version of ourselves. Yeah, I don't think necessarily we trap people in a, in a version of hell. Yeah, that's uh -huh. probably overstating it, but. Yeah. I do think it distorts it distorts our our reality and our and our networks of relationships. Um, again, this is the gift of our faith, right? That it's a it's a, something that we experience primarily through community. The way through is with other people, is being vulnerable, is yeah. opening yourself up um, to other people and connecting. Um, that's that's the way through here. Um, I you know I think about um, and we at Grotto we tell a lot of different stories about. Dealing with trauma, dealing with mental um, uh, mental illness, um, there are a lot of forces that end up having um, you know can impact our lives. Um, 
And I think, I think we just have to be honest. We have to be honest about that. Um, if we're not, if we're not willing to uh, face that face to face and be really truly honest about it and real about what's what we're facing, um, it has impacts for the people that we live with, mm-hmm. um, it has impacts for our own lives. Yeah. Um, so that, that value of, of truth and honesty is, um, right. This is what, what the scriptures tell us. The truth will set you free. Right. Amen. Um, yeah. Um, I saw that reminds me of something I, somebody posted a meme the other day about grief on my social media. And it was like, there's a picture of like a box and the box had a button in it. And then there was a ball and it says like when, when you're first experiencing grief, the ball inside the box is real big. And so it's rattling around. It hits that button all the time. And you're always being, being triggered and, and, and set off because everything reminds you of, of that person. And over time, that ball shrinks, but it's still there. And so a month, a year, 10 years later, something could remind you of that person. And that ball bumps into that button. And it still, it still awakens something within you uh, that reminds you of that person in, in, in triggers, triggers that hurt. And I think you can say the same thing for trauma, but I think you're right that a lot of times we don't realize the way that we take things out on other people. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's the people that are closest to us, unfortunately. Um, one of my, one of my good friends, he says, everybody lets their freak flag fly a little more when they're at home. (laughs) Meaning, (laughs) Meaning like when you're at home, sometimes you let yourself like not be your best self sometimes. And I, and I think that's something to really be careful of is not, not letting ourselves take it out on other people. But I think it's also a cautionary tale and and helpful for us when we're dealing with someone else who's grieving to Mm -hmm. like, if they freak out and be like, like, it's okay. You can, (laughs) you can, you can, you can, I'm here for you. Even if you freak out on me, even if you're mad, even if you're sad, even if you go crazy, like I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to, I'm going to be here with you. Um, and sometimes that ball is going to hit that button and it's okay. I I understand what's going on. It's not, I don't know. It's not about me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to be here for you. Um, that's, I really think that's so important when we're, you know, we have friends or family who are, who are suffering, suffering loss or dealing other with other, other trauma. Um, it's such an opportunity for us to, to step forward and be that person to welcome that pain, mm-hmm. uh, to initiate a conversation to, yeah. and that actually invites them to share something of what they're experiencing there's very little you can do as a person for somebody else in that situation besides listen. Yeah. That means so much to somebody that somebody is willing to kind of stand in that darkness with you. Um, that togetherness is, is really the, the best that we have in terms of a, a, a way to find a hopeful light in, in that kind of pain. Yeah. And I mean, the, in the, in the, the teachings of the church, one of the spiritual works of mercy is to like comfort the afflicted and to go to those who are, that, who yeah. are mourning. Like that's, that's a requirement of us for one another. That's an act of justice to one another. We, we owe that to one another to be there for each other when we're going through something mm-hmm. like that. But it's so awkward and weird yeah, and we right. don't know how to do it. Like, what do you say at the funeral? What do you, yeah. what do you say? Um, and uh, I, I don't know. Do you, I, I don't feel like I'm particularly good at it. Like, do you, do you have advice for maybe, maybe somebody out there is listening and be like, I have a friend who's grieving and I don't know what to do for them. Do you have a little tip or yeah. trick you could share or, I mean, I think, I think the advice here is that no one does. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, I mean, because what you're doing is you're opening up a lot of pain for somebody mm-hmm. and naturally our instinct is want to, we want to be able to fix that in some way. We want yeah. to bring, you know, bring some kind of resolution to them. That's and me. a lot of times the platitudes, the kind of platitudes that we offer um, actually are more harmful. If you say yeah. this is, 
meant to be or he's in a better place or whatever. Yeah. You know, those aren't always the, the best things for somebody to hear. Really what they want is just someone to be with them mm-hmm. in that moment, in that pain. And so I think the advice is <clears throat> when somebody's you know who's grieving, go to them. Don't wait for them to reach out to you. Yeah. Go to yeah. them and open it up and just be willing to hear. Um again, if it goes back to storytelling, I think the 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 big help here is asking questions. Just ask who this person was in their life. Ask them about memories, times they laughed together, important experiences they shared together. Processing those memories through story are really the way that somebody processes through grief. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no roadmap. Like it's uh-huh. just kind of like opening up a bee's nest of pain and being willing to stand there and be stung yeah. with somebody. I, I love what you said about like, don't wait for them to reach out, like go to them. Because how often do we say, well, let me know if you need anything. Really, yeah. I'm here for you. I can, I can do anything. And I think one one of my friends uh, who I think is really good at this, he'll say, um, he'll, he'll like set a reminder in his phone, like once a week or once a month when a friend is going through something particularly so that he gets a reminder, reach out to this friend. So even if it's just a text or a phone call, just to say, Hey, what's going on? Or remembering their birthday and just saying, Hey, I was thinking of you. Hey, I was praying for you. Hey, I just was thinking about you to know. And uh, I, I was thinking about you today. And I want you to know that I think you're, you're, you're awesome. Or, uh, Hey, would you have time to get, I'd love to take you to lunch this week. I'd love to bring you coffee this week. Um, I'd love to do a zoom call this week, something, something like that. And just those little moments where you're not forcing yourself on the person, but you're offering them a much easier way instead of saying, let me know what you need. You're saying, here's something I can provide. Hey, can I come by and just like do your laundry for you? Can I do your grocery shopping? I'm going to the store. Can I pick anything up for you? Like those things are so, so helpful and make it so much easier for the person to say yes. Um, and another friend of mine, who's really good at this, these awkward conversations, uh, she just says, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. And you you can just, if, if there's too much to talk about, you can just say, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but tell me about, you know, your, your dad who died, you know, tell, I, I want to hear about him. I want to know like how, why he meant so much to you. And she even says like, if, if you want to, you can say, I don't want to talk about this. It's like, she's already said the hard, the hard thing and given them a really easy way to say no and a really easy way to say yes. Um, and sometimes the person does say no, they don't want to talk about it, but they still feel like respected. Like you weren't like forcing them to process on your schedule, you know? Um, and I just, I, it's, yeah, she, she should like make a masterclass of like how to help people that are grieving. I think. But yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, those, those were the big themes I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about like the, the facing truth. I wanted to talk about Wanda and Monica and like the different ways of grieving. Um, Oh, I wanted to talk just a, a bit about Wanda envisions marriage. I thought it was a really, even though it's like fantastical and they have superpowers and like visions, a, a synthesoid, like vibranium man. Um, <laughs> they have, I thought their marriage was really realistic in a lot of ways. I don't know if, if, if you felt that. Yeah. Uh, I've been married 23 years. So I saw shades of it. Uh-huh. You know, the, the moment that I felt the most was at the very end when the hex is kind of collapsing mm-hmm. and they have to say goodbye to their children and say goodnight or whatever. And uh-huh. they're kind of like facing that reality together. There are moments in every marriage, I think, when reality kind of crashes in on you. Ooh, okay. Through, through, through all kinds of different, you know, all kinds of things come to our way. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just like that, the disposition that they brought to those moments, uh, being real with one another, standing together, Often there aren't words, yeah. but you're, you're there together. Um, that togetherness is a real, I think a real, that's something that I recognize in terms of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, um, 
there were so many, so many beautiful moments and um, just their love for each other was so evident. Um, and the moments when, when things started to break down. Um, and also, I thought it was interesting that like their marriage started to break down at the same time on the, along the same timeline as like the sitcoms, like sitcoms in the fifties or sixties were like happy marriages. And then it's like the eighties, nineties and two thousands, you get like, you know, divorce and, you know, Roseanne and the Simpsons where it's like not so happy. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting how it matched up that way just artistically, yeah. but um, it really came from their, they weren't being honest with each other, right? They yeah. weren't, they were afraid to share the truth with one another. And I think it can be a real harm to withhold a, a truth from, from your spouse. And it can be a real yeah. act of grace to you to share even a painful truth. And like, yeah. once you get to that point in your marriage where you can trust that other person with something that you know will hurt them, yeah, like that that's like a whole other level of intimacy. It's like, this is going to be hard, but I trust us and I trust you enough that you yeah, can handle it right. and we can get through it. I, I know right. for me as a, as a man who's supposed to be like, I don't have feelings and I don't have needs, like <laughs> being able to trust my wife with here are my needs, here are the things that are hurting like that. Not only was that good for me, but that's good for her. It gives her a new way to love me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so anyway, I just, I, I saw that in, in, in their relationship as well. Yeah, you saw, it's interesting to see the absence of that. I think about this, the episode where they're dressed up for Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, it was just like, there was something about the way that Vision was, he was kind of like, he was lying to her, right? That he was mm -hmm. going out to be part of a neighborhood watch, I think. Yep. He was really going out to explore. But like the way that they were like, throwing barbs at each other in the subtext. It yeah. was just really uncomfortable for me. There's little cutting things. They can be yeah. so damaging. Yeah. 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 So they really came through on the other side of that in uh -huh. an interesting way. Yeah. yeah. Love it. I love it. All right. Uh, that, so that, those were my main points I wanted to hit. Are there other things that you wanted to say before, before we wrap this up? Cause we're almost out of time. Yeah. Um, you know, just in terms of a craftsmanship perspective, I, uh, again, I really respect the storytelling, the way, the way it came together. At the end of the day, though, this was a Marvel, a Marvel story. And yeah. so that's how it kind of concluded, right? It's like these superheroes in the sky throwing lasers at each other or whatever, yeah. uh -huh. which is fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's the kind of story it is. Yeah. It would have been fascinating, though, I think, to be able to see the story conclude in a different way. And I was mm -hmm. thinking about what would that look like? You know, and Agnes is such a pivotal figure. And I think mm -hmm. in, the, in the story, she plays the role of kind of externalizing that conflict, that point of conflict. Yeah. Um, but what would happen if she had, instead of kind of like staying back and observing um, Wanda and uh -huh. trying to learn, if she had been a companion on that journey for Wanda? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Really, in that whole world, she was the one who had the biggest kind of vision of what was going on. Yeah. And she just didn't engage. She she just wanted to, to learn from it. She was kind of being selfish. Yeah. Uh -huh. What if she had kind of accompanied Wanda in that? That would have been a fascinating way to kind of like move forward through that through that trauma for Wanda. It is really interesting. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Interesting things to, to think about. Yeah. MCU, you need to, Disney, you need to hire Josh Noam to, to <laughs> consult on your, uh, on your storytelling. So that'd be, that'd be fascinating. Um, cool. Last thing I want to say is I, I, Jimmy and Darcy. I love, can we throw their picture up real quick? Jimmy and Darcy. Um, I, I always think of Jim from the office whenever I see, uh, uh, I, I forget this actor's name, but he was, there was an episode of the office where they were tricking Dwight and he was, and he was pretending to be Jim. And so whenever yeah. I see him, I was like, Oh, it's Jim, you know, um, from the yeah. office. And then they named him Jimmy, which I think is, is yeah. hilarious. Um, and then Darcy who we haven't seen since Thor, 
Um, I just, yeah. I think they're, they're really funny. They're really uh, just a, a lot of fun. I loved everything that they were, they were doing. Yeah. Um, they were comedic relief, but they were also like super competent, which I appreciate. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Josh, a lot of times at the end of my show, I will ask my guests to kind of close us uh, in a prayer that hits on some of these themes. Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. Let's do yeah, that. Let's do it. Let's pray. In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he wrote, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Let us pray. God, our Father, by whose Son's death and resurrection we have been redeemed, you are the glory of your faithful, the life of your saints. Have mercy on us. And as we profess our faith in the mystery of our resurrection, so may we gain the possession of eternal joy. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Spirit. Where's that prayer from? That's from uh, the Office of the Dead in the Liturgy of the Hours. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? Bringing it back. I mean, it's another right liturgy and the way it carries us in these moments. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Thank you for that. All right, Josh, if people want to know more about you and what you're doing, where where can they find out more about you? Yeah, well, definitely check out Grotto Network. We're on this, all the major social media platforms, uh, website, grottonetwork.com. We're telling new stories there every single day. Um, so definitely check us out there. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Garden Gnome um, is, is my handle. Um, love to, love pe- pe- for people to check out my, uh, my novel and I'd love to hear <laughs> what it's like to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat yeah, with you. Well. And I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes so you can check out Grotto. I'll put the, the article that you wrote, Josh, on WandaVision. I'll put a link to my articles on, Wanda, on, um, uh, that I've written for Grotto as well. So you'll be able to find all that. I'll put your Twitter handle and a link to your yeah. book as well. So thank you so much uh, for coming and, and filming with us. Uh, and thank you uh, to you listeners. If you want to know more about me, my name is Mike Tenney and you can find more about me at MikeTenneyMusic.com. And if you want to bring me to your, your parish or awaken to your parish or your, your, your archdiocese, you can uh, go to awakencatholic.org and uh, go to our events page and we can make that happen. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter and uh, Instagram where I'm a little more active at PK Mikey T. All that will be in the show notes. Thank you for being with us. You can support this show and all the shows and all the initiatives that we're doing through Awaken Catholic by going to awakencatholic.org slash donate and by becoming a uh, part of the Awaken Nation and making a monthly donation. And that makes everything that you see here possible and feeds our children and all those sorts of things. So if, you, if you're if you looking for a way to tithe and help the, the mission of, of the church in spreading love to a world that so desperately needs it, um, please go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and uh, make a make a small donation. It goes a long way. Uh, and you get access to exclusive content, talks by me and other show hosts and, and stuff like that as well. Um, you can also download the Awaken app, as we said, and join in our community in, in that way as well and talk with show hosts uh, and download the Halo app. All those things are great ways uh, you can support us. And finally, just like, subscribe. If you know anybody who um, likes WandaVision, send them this episode to say, hey, this was a, this was a cool conversation or anyone who's uh, grieving, you know, take a moment to, to reach out to that person. Just say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I love you. Um, those make all the difference. And that's, that's what we need. That's the sort of church that we need in this world. Thank you, viewers. Thank you, Josh. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you next time.
This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org/donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.